Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Las Vegas. It is Saturday night. We have two hours of the best sports talk in Las Vegas. And what an absolutely crazy, crazy time today. Followed by yesterday. Usually, you know, you have one good round of the tournament and then the next day is like a little slow. No. Five double digit seeds advanced yesterday. Five double digit seeds advanced today, including Abilene Christian, who just went on to beat Texas. I had money line. Guys, I told you on the money line I had all over the place this weekend. I told you guys about Oral Roberts. I I mean, we were crushing it. Chris Wynn is going to join me tonight here on Heat Wave Sports. And we're going to go over the tournament. This isn't about ourselves on the back. We're going to try to give you stuff for moving forward. I know Chris. I know he did really well. He was sending me his tickets before time. Absolutely intense, intense tournament. And we're going to break it down. A couple of big disappointments. I know a lot of the big teams are gone. People are already tearing up their brackets. Don't tear up your bracket. There's plenty of time. So we're going to get into that. The COVID issue will address some of that. I do have some answers for you out there. The Pac-12 dominance. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about that as well. And we want to hear from you. It's 876-1340, 876-1340. Or you can go right to Twitter. It is Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. And I'm going to bring in... My co-host for the night, it's Chris Wynn. Chris, I know you're swimming in dough, man. I saw some of your tickets. How you doing tonight? Doing great, Tommy. Wow. You want to talk about a first few days of the big dance. A lot of stuff going down. Double digits everywhere, as you pointed out. Pretty much unbelievable how things have kind of shaken out. And, uh, yeah, some of us have made a little bit of money. But I got to tell you, Tommy, and I'm sure you'll concur with me. There's a lot of smarts out there. There's a lot of sharps, a lot of people that know their business. Well, I mean, Chris, I mean, generally speaking here, and I, I think we lost Chris there. Generally speaking. Prove on it going forward. All right, you're back. Okay. Yeah, generally speaking, Chris, I mean, really, we came into this tournament going, all right, it's a new year. Most of these teams did not play a full schedule. Most of these teams were impacted by COVID in one way or the other, some massively. Most of these teams uh, were going to have a hard time. And I think it evened the field. And if you just literally yesterday, if you bet every single game under for the first half, coming out of the locker room slow, you would have been able to, to, to buy a yacht. I mean, I think every single under hit yesterday. Then you go into yesterday, you take all the dogs. Today, you take all the dogs, take all the money line dogs. I mean... You would have been cleaning up and professionals, guys that have been around this, even if you're not a professional, just you've been listening to this show for 10 years, even like somebody like you, Chris, that is a smart investor into sports betting, uh, you know, it's the early part of the tournament. Take the dogs, take the unders, and that's what's been coming in. But let's be honest, Tommy, this is a situation where it's been just wacky, right, for the last three days. And we're talking about teams that uh, you did not have the expectations that a lot of these games would play out. It has nothing to do with COVID-19. It has nothing to do with, you know, the setup of the NCAA tournament where you've got, you know, basically four or five venues in the state of Indiana 
where you know people are are basically playing their games. This is just a scenario where you've got you know teams you know outperforming what we'd expect and others severely underperforming in certain spots where you expected much more. You know, it is funny though with all the upset, all the upsets, and all the the hoopla around them. You know, it often gets lost how well the good teams really did do. And I said on my sports garden show, so you guys can go check it out, sportsgarden.com, G-R-T-N. On my sports garden show just uh, just yesterday, I came out and I said, you know what? I really do believe there's about three or four good teams in this tournament and everyone else is jumbled together. And, you know, look, Chris, let's look at it. Gonzaga, number one overall seed. They didn't beat Norfolk State. They beat the spread, and they humiliated them. Okay, Tim said, oh, they're going to win by 40. He undercut them. They took care of their business and took care of it very well. Baylor decimated Hartford, okay, for most of that game. Took care of that. Illinois completely crushed their game. I know they had a little bit of, uh, you know, a, a look now. No, no, no. Illinois crushed. Michigan even injured. I know they had a struggle. They got by. And then you go even to the two seeds. Houston absolutely ran ramshed. Iowa crushed today. So while we do look at the big upsets, okay, because there was big upsets, Oral Roberts, I had on the money line. I showed you guys my tickets. Listen, uh, not a lot of money, but hey, a thousand bucks, a thousand bucks. And then, you know, Alabama, I didn't think played the greatest game, but I didn't think that they were, they were going to anyway. When we look at the brackets, we're going to talk about upsets, upsets, upsets. But at the end of the day, Chris, my final four is still intact. I think most people's final four is still intact. And this is now usually what happens. We get the big upsets, but when you really break it down, the big teams are still doing their job. Well, for the most part, Tommy. I mean, you do have to look at teams like Ohio State. Obviously, the Buckeyes, a lot Did you really of... think Ohio State was a big team, though, this year? I mean, I well, had them going absolutely. out. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I believe in two out of the... Uh, I think I filled, I filled out five or six brackets, and I had... At least in two of them, I had them going to the Final Four. So, and look, and there's a lot. There are thousands of people out there like me that were that were like-minded when it came to the Ohio State Buckeyes and what they could do in this tournament. So that was a big-time surprise. Uh, as far as first-round games, uh, I was surprised by San Diego State. They, I mean, San Diego State did not. How about the Mountain West, Tommy? The Mountain West was out of this tournament faster than you can say. Boom! I mean, it was crazy. So, uh, Chris, last week. Last week on the show, I said mm-hmm. to Tim, we were on the Sunday night show, I said, Utah State does not belong in this tournament. They would be the team I would erase, and I would put Belmont in there. We got uh, hate tweets and hate mail over at Tom Barton Sports, right? And and uh, Tim was still, oh, come on, he's crazy. Utah State did not belong in this tournament. I also went out there, and I told you about San Diego State. You know, everybody go, oh, this is the year they're going to make a run. This is the year they're going to make a run. Absolutely not. Who didn't have- Syracuse going through. Nobody believed in San. Come on, you couldn't really be a basketball fan and believe in the San Diego State team. Absolutely not. The Mountain West is a disgrace. San Diego State was massively overrated this year. I put them at eight or nine seed, and again, we took a lot of flack. I told you Utah State didn't belong in the field. Guess what? Utah State didn't belong in the field, and San Diego State should have been an eight or nine seed. And that's exactly how it played out. And so, you know, you're talking about and and, and it's been kind of a mixed bag in the Big Ten because obviously. You see what the likes of, you know, the Illinois, the Iowas, even the Wisconsin's in that matchup against North Carolina. Wisconsin looked tremendous. And now, Tommy, I'm sure we're going to get into it of, as you see the matchups shaking out for tomorrow and going into Monday. You've got a lot of low spreads, Tommy. A lot of games that are expected to be tight. 
between teams that, you know, going into this tournament, you, you would not expect them to be on par with each other, right? And, I mean, you take a look at some of these lines that are coming out. I was bouncing through the William Hill setup, you know, going into to Sunday and Monday. you got a lot of tight matchups that are going to be very interesting for yourself and other professionals to handicap. Yeah, absolutely. And now, before we get into all that, because I want to go back, I want to touch on what happened yesterday, look at the games tomorrow, and then touch on what happened today, and get your feel on what's going to happen on Monday. By the way, I still want to say Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I've done it. I made that error about 15 times this week, and I think I'm going to still make it. Uh, but we have to touch on the one piece of information, and that's the COVID issue with Oregon moving forward. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. VCU. We don't have a lot of clarification. What we do know is this, and, and we announced this last week. We announced this uh, on all my platforms in a month, that they are not going to replace the team once Wednesday had hit. Once Wednesday began, they were not going to replace anybody. They were just going to move the team on. So all you people that are calling for Louisville or whatever to get in, no, no, these rules were set in place. We talked about it last week. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, what we are hearing is that they take a test every 24 hours and they took a test every 24 hours for the last three weeks they were fine yesterday they took a test yesterday morning and they were fine today they had three covid positives now i wasn't sure if it was contact tracing i wasn't sure what the situation and it's very tough to get medicals because they're not allowed to discuss it but the first thing that tim texted me uh was what if these are false negatives and, you know, that's the first thought that kind of popped out in my mind, too. What if these are false negatives? And the only reason I say that, not to be skeptical about COVID, is because we saw so many happen in baseball, right? I mean, we just saw it was false negative after false. There, there was one player, I forget who it was, had three false negatives in a row. You know, you just see this happen all the time. And to watch these kids season collapse because of false negatives. So I'm not speculating here, but the question has to be asked, what if, right? What if? What we do know is that they're going to move forward. The NCAA is not concerned that it's going to be a, a rampant situation. The uh, NCAA believes that VCU is doing all the right things. There's no investigation being launched. So whatever information they have, guys, it, it's more of a, an amicable, okay, we're bowing out than anybody fighting or doing anything wrong. That's what I have, Chris. Yeah, and you mentioned, of course, what has happened as far as false positives in other sports. It's been kind of dealt with all in a standard way where, you know, it's just basically let's just keep moving along, right? Let's just keep moving along. It's not a matter of, uh, you know, when it comes to the NCAA tournament, obviously, they had the, what, three or four teams that they had in line in case there was a situation where you had multiple teams that were dealing with this. But uh, the fact of the matter was is that the, this is the only team. The squad, VCU, obviously, the only team. So it's just a matter of uh, a one-time deal, you know. And uh, it's unfortunate, obviously, for all the student athletes and the and the coaching staff there at VCU. But uh, and it's uh, extremely fortunate, obviously, if you're on the uh, duck side of things. So they're going to end up getting basically a uh, free pass into uh, the second game of the tournament for them. So. Uh, Look, I, I don't really put a huge amount of stock into it. I mean, uh, mainly because, and this isn't any knock on VCU as a program, but I don't think anybody had VCU, you know, as a squad that was going to, you know, just make a run through the tournament and possibly win a national championship. So I think that's why people are just kind of like ho-hum on this regarding, uh, you know, the prospects of VCU and what exactly they could have done in the tournament 
as opposed to not being able to play because of COVID-19. Yeah, I mean, there's really nothing that could be done here. I, I am somebody that believes we all panic way too much about COVID. Okay. Um, I'm not saying it's not dangerous. I had it. I was in, they wanted to put a ventilator in me. Okay. Uh, I was in the hospital. I know how bad it can be, but these are professional athletes. These are, well, I mean, amateur athletes, but they're young athletes. It's probably not going to affect them that badly, but it doesn't matter. I've heard that. Well, you can put them out. No, no, no. This is absolutely the right thing. Yeah, it's not necessarily. It, yeah, Tommy, it's not about you know whether or not they because because let's be honest. I mean, the, you're, you're talking about the minuscule odds that it's going to have any physical impact. Yeah, it's just but more, it doesn't matter. It's more or less the yeah more or less the way they view it and and the way every sport has been viewing is that well you can transmit it to others. That's the problem. You know, what I mean, they're worried about other people who could be exposed or that could you know end up being positive for COVID nineteen and then have real issues physically i.e. older coaches, i.e. you know, people around the program. That's usually the problem. It's not necessarily about the athletes being at some sort of physical risk. It's more about the people around them. Yeah, and I, I you know, I am not talking from my perspective here because it, it's things that I heard automatically. And I'm, I'm on the other side of the COVID issue. You know, I think we absolutely overreacted as a country. I think we overreact here. But come on, guys. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like no, this is just to stop the spread. They did the right thing. Um, all right, Chris, let's take our first time out. When we get back, I want to talk about tomorrow's game. So as we talk about tomorrow's games, we'll take a peek at what happened yesterday. We'll review some of the games. I want to hear what you hit. I want to hear what you have going forward. We'll look at all the games tomorrow. Then into our number two, we'll take a look back at what happened today, and we'll speculate on what Monday's lines are going to be and what we could find some value there. We're talking NCAA March Madness here. Chris Wynn, I am Tom Barton. This is Heat Wave Sports. We'll be back right after this. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again. And most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says at the end of the game. In my book, we're going to be winners. Okay? Welcome back. They are in the Hoosier City, right? I mean, they're actually playing some games where that movie was filmed, which is kind of cool. And it is there a better representation of, uh, you know, that movie? Remember, he's kind of showing them, look, the court's exactly the same size and the net's the same and, and everything's the same, right? It doesn't matter. So forget about everything. Is there a better representation of March Madness at the first round than that where anybody can go down? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I really do believe that that is just absolutely fantastic. I'm Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com, sitting in with Chris Wynn here on Heatwave Sports. Tim is off tonight. He will be back tomorrow. Let's start talking about the games tomorrow, though. We'll start off uh, the first game. We're going to go in order of the times that they do go off. Now, remember, it's not a massive card tomorrow, 
but it's a big enough card. We 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 got some games. We're starting right off, and I want your thoughts and opinions, Chris, on both teams, and let's talk about the spread a little bit. So, Illinois minus seven. By the way, my ears were almost bleeding, Chris. I know you're from Michigan, from the middle of the country. There, uh, people that were betting Illinois, calling it Illinois. Oh, that's that that's ooh ooh, that's just brutal. So Illinois is taking on Loyola Chicago. Myself and Rob Mish, who's on the show quite often, um, we absolutely tore it up with Loyola this year. Actually, Rob wrote an article in the Chicago Sun-Times where I highlighted how many, just go under for Loyola. Just go under, under, under. I mean, under with Loyola, under with Loyola. That was it. And, uh, you know, I love this team. But I picked Illinois before the season to win it all. I've said consistently, yeah, I see what Gonzaga's doing. But Illinois is the best team in the country. I've said that over and over. I know that you agreed with me, Chris, before this all began. So while I like Loyola and I like the defense that they bring, the reality is this. They beat a Georgia Tech team without the ACC player of the year, Georgia Tech's best player. They beat them without their best player where they didn't even get a chance to go. Georgia Tech didn't get a chance to game plan for not having him in there. They did do a good job. But you know what? I had Loyola beating them with him playing. This is not only the best player that they're ever going to see in Io. This is the second best player that they're going to see in Cockburn. This is also a Illinois team that scores 80 points a game. And I don't think they have to get even close to that. I mean, I, I think they win this game pretty handedly tomorrow, Chris. I have no worries that a number one's going down in this spot. I have no worries about Illinois. I still see them lifting the trophy. I think a seven line is almost disrespectful. To me, this is where... Loyola, just the magic ends here for me. Are you with us, Chris? All right, we did we lose Chris here? All right, well, we may have lost Chris. We're going to try to get him back on the line. So for me, guys, look, and one of the interesting things to let's continue with this game a little bit is the over-under set at 133 and a half. Well, with an over-under of 133 and a half, that means the books do expect some defense to be played. Do they expect Loyola to hold Illinois to, what, 65, 60 points? I don't think that's going to happen. So I think if you really look into it, you're getting some value on Illinois just because of even the total and the line that's being set, which is something that when you really look at it, you know what, to me, there's only one way to go in this game, and that's Illinois. You can't take Loyola. They're a good sister gene and all that. It's a good story. Remember who they just went up against. They just went up against a Georgia Tech. I team think I'm back or no? You are, Chris. We're talking okay. about Illinois. Look, uh, my thought is yeah. I mean, look, I look at this game, Tommy, and this is the deal. I mean, I, the intrigue, of course, is that you're talking about two in-state teams, but Loyola Chicago. This is obviously a squad that hangs their hat on the defensive end of the floor. You pointed that out. You and Rob have been making money all year long on the fact that this team could play defense. The problem is, is that. They're going up against an Illini team that a lot of us, including myself, think that can win the entire thing. I mean, we're talking about a national. Okay, I believe that we lost Chris again. Yeah, we are We are talking. I'll finish this sentence here. We are talking about a national championship team, and that's what we both think Illinois is. We both think they're a national championship team. I do believe that Loyal is a good team. They had a good year. But let's uh, let, let's move on from that and just say Illinois is a, is a good play tomorrow. From a handicapping perspective, I don't like laying seven ever in this spot. Okay, second round is a tough seed. But historically, I gave this stat last week as well. Historically, eight seeds 
right? The eight and nine seeds, you don't ever have to worry about moving on. Historically, eight seeds advance at a less than 30% clip for the next round. Historically, nine seeds advance at less than a 20% clip in the next round. So forget about money line and all that, which brings us to a nine seed, Baylor against Wisconsin. Now, I, I am not a believer in Baylor, or I wasn't a believer in Baylor. But I'm also looking at Wisconsin and saying, weirdly, I wasn't sure who was going to win that UNC-Wisconsin game. But I will tell you what, I thought UNC was a better matchup to Baylor. I think Wisconsin's just in a bad matchup here. Now, could I see them pulling this off? Sure. Wisconsin played a tough schedule. They're a good, gritty team. And I don't believe that in a Baylor team going all the way. But I do think that they match up better with Wisconsin. The line is only six. It's a short line. Over-under sitting here at 137. You know, to me, again, i am got to go Baylor. I don't like the line because I think they could play it close. But I do like Baylor. Got to say, though, this Badger team was impressive in this matchup against the Tar Heels. And so they're going to be coming into this game with, with a ton of confidence. And, look, again, when you, when you look at this matchup, you say to yourself, why, why is this even, you know, any debate whatsoever? You think you're, you're talking about a Baylor Bears team that all season long has been, you know, uh, one or two, you know, in, in America. So I don't think there's any question that uh, this is a situation where uh, I'd be leaning all over Baylor when it comes to uh, the matchup between these two teams. You know, look, you, you got to look at the size for Baylor, right? I, I mean, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, good, but, but here's the question, though, Chris, because we're both seemingly on the same side. Here's the question with Wisconsin. Didn't they just go up against size in, in North Carolina? Didn't they just go up against the second best offensive rebounding team in the country? And they beat them badly. Does it help Wisconsin that they just came off against a team that plays a very similar style? No, but the reason I parrot that and parrot what your viewpoint is, is that I agree with you from the standpoint of the matchup angle, right? It's all about match, especially the NCAA tournament. It, it, I mean, look, you can be playing great. You can be playing terrible. The, it's a, a lot of times it does come down to those individual matchups on the court. And I just think that when you look at Baylor's team from top to bottom, and you, obviously you take a look at what Wisconsin brings to the table, I just think uh, they're, uh, the Badgers are just up against it when they have to go up against this, uh, this Baylor squad. All right, so let's go to the next team, which uh, next game, which I, I, so far we're two for two on, on the advancing. We might have a right. disagreement here. West Virginia, Syracuse. Look, I, I took Syracuse in the first round and gave it out to every one of my Tom Barton Sports.com clients. I went against West Virginia. I don't like this West Virginia team. I'm about to do it again because all I see in Syracuse is a team that is red hot. They have Bayheim, who is a red hot player. They won that game, Syracuse, and their two big men combined for three total points. Their 2-3 zone absolutely stifled them. Now, you could sit back and tell me about West Virginia's defense, and that's all anybody wants to throw in my face. West Virginia's defense. Wait a minute. West Virginia's defense? Hold on. Virginia has the best defense in the country. Syracuse just beat them a couple of weeks ago. San Diego State was supposed to have a defense. Syracuse just beat them. They're used to playing these big-time defenses, and they're getting hot at the right time. Remember, Syracuse didn't have some of their players for a lot of the season. I think this is that 11 seed that has a lot of legs here. I don't believe in West Virginia. I didn't believe in West Virginia coming into the season. I think they're padded because of the conference that they're in. They didn't look good towards the end of the year, and I'm all over Syracuse. It's a a three-and-a-half or four-point line. I'm liking Syracuse here. Tommy, isn't this a textbook situation where occasionally, 
we'll get a team that just kind of sneaks into the tournament or people say had no business being in the tournament. And, you know, all of a sudden they're that team that can make a run. The Orange, I think, are that team this year here in 2021. Absolutely on board with Syracuse giving West Virginia all kinds of problems this matchup. Now, I'm a little bit hesitant because, yes, you got, you know, you get Bayheim going for a 30 spot. And, you know, there's always, there's always, it seems like a bunch of teams, usually they're the mid major teams that has like the one great player. You know what I mean? The one guy who they have to hang their hat on who they have to rely on to, to get by. But, you know, if Syracuse can get contributions from other guys, you know, if they can get other guys to step up and if they can rectify what you just pointed out, where you got, you know, some of your guys down low, not exactly putting up, you know, big time offensive numbers, if they can fix that, yes. I think that, you know, look, you got a matchup of two legendary coaches here, by the way, and Jim Beheim, obviously, and Bob Huggins. But uh, I think that there is no question Syracuse, I think, is going to be the play for me in this matchup against the Mountaineers. Yeah, and it'll tell you something. When a three faces an 11, it's only like a three-and-a-half-point line, right? I mean, yep. that, shouldn't that tell us something? And I know, look, look, I'm, I know I'm down here in, in Atlantic City, so a lot closer to New York. But, but truth be told, Syracuse is like 15 hours away from here. But all I see is North Carolina jerseys and Syracuse jerseys this weekend. That's all I watch. So it does worry me a little bit. But then I see the short line and I go, no, I think that's I think that's factored into the juice that they are a public team. This line probably should be, uh, you know, about six or so. But they said, you know, what? everyone's going to be betting Syracuse. We'll lower it a little bit. Chris, let's talk about the next game, which I don't have a clue about. Arkansas, <laughs> Texas Tech. I'm telling you now, I'm not touching this game with a 10 foot pole. Arkansas is a, a good team, but they just don't care to play any defense. They are very well coached. We know this. We know how well-coached they are. Uh, very very much of you follow the Mountain West, you know how well-coached Arkansas is. Texas Tech is a very good style team. Texas Tech wants to slow this thing down. Arkansas wants to run this thing. Texas Tech is the sixth seed. They are favored by a point and a half over the three seed. You don't see that very often. And when you go at a six and three and the books are with you, you I don't know this game. I can't speak highly of this game because I don't like it and it won't be on my card but Tim it's telling you something when you got a minus one and a half number and you have the other thing I always love to look at is the total 140 140 means they expect Texas Tech to slow Arkansas down and this is an Arkansas team that can absolutely light things up you know those you know those Arkansas Alabama games where they aren't afraid to start firing ball firing firing shots up left and right hey I talked about, obviously, the legendary coaching matchup with Bayheim and Bobby Huggins. These are two young coaches who, you know, are looking to just kind of build on their resume, obviously, and Eric Musselman, who we do we are very familiar with out here in the Mountain West, and, of course, Chris Beard, who, you know, was pegged to be the UNLV coach and end up getting that Texas Tech job. Chris Beard, of course, taking his team to a Final Four uh, just a matter of, you know, two three seasons ago. So, uh, but there's make no mistake about it, Tommy. The deal with this Texas Tech team is they would love to play in quicksand. That's, I mean, this this is a team that is just textbook, walk it up the floor, let's use all 30 seconds of the shot clock, and let's slow the game down. And when you mentioned that number 140, I was kind of, I had to take a, take a step back. I was like, wait, really? It's, it's actually that? I mean, 140 to me would seem like it's uh, a tad high in this matchup. 
But uh, yeah, I can understand what you're saying as far as having no clue, though, because they just the kind of the, the, the kind of uh, way both of these teams are going to approach this matchup. But I, I have to say, I mean, I, I like McClung. I, I like I like Texas Tech, what they can do at times offensively. And so I'm going to lean toward the Red Raiders in this matchup as uh, against the Razorbacks. Chris, I walked up to the counter um, in Atlantic <laughs> City, New Jersey, and yep. I said yesterday, I like Rutgers. I'll take Rutgers. And they said, no, you won't. I said, no, 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 no. I, I like Rutgers. I'm going to you know, uh, throw 500 bucks on Rutgers. No, no, you're not. Why not? Well, you're New Jersey. You can't bet on New Jersey teams. Can you still believe that that stupid rule is going on? But yes, Rutgers could not be bet yesterday. They're taking on Houston. Um, Houston looked massively impressive. I'm not impressed with this Houston team as a whole, but they looked impressive yesterday. Houston is a team that I, I think has a pretty clear path until they get to Illinois. They should be favored over Rutgers. They're eight and a half point favorites, but I see something in this Rutgers team that is a little Jekyll and Hyde. They are a team that could go out there. Remember, they beat the big boys of the big boys, but they did a lot of that at home. Rutgers can go out there and they can have six to seven minutes of the most crisp, well-played basketball, tremendous defense, on-point offense that you'll see in the tournament. And you'll watch them for six or seven minutes and you'll say, you know what? This is a 10 seed that can make a run to the final four. I mean, I am not overshooting it. That's how good Rutgers looks at times. And then the next six or seven to 10 minutes, right? Rutgers looks like they're a mess and they could get beaten by any team in the tournament. I mean, this is a Jekyll and Hyde team. When Rutgers won their big games this year and they did win some big time games, they put together a full game, full every minute they looked good. But we also watched them completely fall apart. I'm not sure if I could take this game, even though I like Rutgers, even though I think Rutgers got a shot to actually win the game outright. Because they're just so Jekyll and Hyde, Chris. I'm rolling with the Scarlet Knights. I am taking Rutgers. I kind of subscribe to the philosophy that, uh, you know, you're you're fine-tuning yourself all season long in what I consider was the best conference in college basketball in the Big Ten. You talked about the wins that they had, but you also talk, you have to talk about the competition, right? I mean, you're talking about night in, night out. You're playing some of the best teams in the country, some teams that are absolutely national title and Final Four worthy. And to me, I think that that's a key thing in this matchup. And so, when I when I kind of view it from that standpoint, I uh, I, I absolutely love Rutgers in this matchup, and I think that uh, uh, you know from every aspect, uh, as far as uh, particularly on the offensive side of, of the ball, I think they they have an advantage, and that's why I'm going to take a look at them in this one. Let me play a little devil's advocate here, though, Chris. Okay. Are you not impressed with what Houston did the first round? Am I not wrestling with? Are you not impressed with what they did? I mean, Houston looked really impressive. Yes, I, I've been. And I'm, look, there have been points during this season that I have been impressed with Houston overall, period. But uh, I, I'm just telling you, Tommy, there is Are a you big difference. I, there's a big difference between, let me put it this way there's a big difference between the Big Ten and the AAC. You know what I mean? Yes, that that that's kind of like my thought process on this, you know, and so, well, look, it's the NCAA tournament, so we're talking about you know a one game scenario, and what obviously what we have seen here in the past forty eight to seventy two hours, you know, yes, there is a, there is a scenario that could present itself here where the Cougars go out there and just 
and just light up the Scarlet Knights big time. But I just, you know, I'm I'm just kind of like I'm, I'm airing I'm airing on the side of Rutgers because I like you just said, and I'm kind of like piggybacking you. I believe in them. You know what I mean? I believe that they're going to, you know, have the horses to be able to move forward in uh, this particular matchup against Houston. Yeah, are you money lining them? Yes, I am going to money line them. Yeah, I might as well. You know, what I do is this: is, is, is I'm going to bet. Let's just say I'm going to bet a thousand dollars. You know, um, right? Which is what I did. You know, with Oral Roberts, I went up. I took you know thousand dollars on on Oral Roberts, and I'll throw like two hundred bucks of the money. You know what I mean? Like, I, that, that's what yeah. I do. I, I want to roll it in. I want to make sure I make money with the plus the eight and a half tomorrow. But Rutgers, if I'm going to take it, I'll take the eight and a half, but I, I'll roll a little bit into the money line. You got to throw a little bit. Speaking of the money line, what a transition. This is why I'm a radio pro right here. <laughs> I had, I had Chris, I showed it. $1,000 money line ticket, Oral Roberts. I had the points. I had the money line. I showed it. I, I got to say, my friend, that is top-notch ballsy right there. There's no way around that. That is that is impressive, to say the least. Guess what? I'm doing it again tomorrow, and here's why. I am big on this Oral Roberts team. This is no knock on Florida, okay? This was no knock on us. This is every making that you have of an upset is here. Look, best player on the court. Outside of Luka Garza, uh, Osmos might be the best. He, he's most likely the best player on the court all the time. I guess Ohio State, he certainly was. And against Florida tomorrow, best player on the court. That's number one. Number two, they don't miss free throws. Top five in the country in free throw shooting. He, the best player, the guy that's going to be driving to the hole when the game counts, hits 90% free throws. He's the best in the country, okay? So you're talking about best player big-time free-throw shooter, and they're really good on the three-pointers. When you see these big upsets, these big underdogs, what is it? Teams get hot from shooting. But they have something instead of just the shooting because they have the best scorer on the field. Maybe not the best player. We'll say the best scorer in the nation. I mean, this is who he was. He led the nation in scoring. And we can't say he comes from a small college anymore because, sure, it's a small college. They just beat up on a big college. Florida. This is no knock to Florida, okay? I was impressed with what Florida did. I never believed in Florida this year, but I was impressed with what they did. How this Oral Robert team is still getting underlooked. They are going out there tomorrow in the same sort of situation, the same kind of way. They're playing the same kind of team. And with all of this said, Chris, not only did they do this on the offense, and I'm mentioning offense, and I'm mentioning three points, and I'm mentioning score. Not only did they do this on the offense, Chris, they shut down Ohio State on the defensive side of the ball. I think it's a very, very similar scenario. I think Oral Roberts plays real close, and in a close game at the end of the game, I want the best scorer, and I want the best free throw shooters. This is a tricky one for me because I kind of, you know, I struggle with the whole, you know, you are a massive dog in the first-round game. Obviously, you know, when you take out, an, you know, you end up taking out such a high seed. And I think about, you know, the expenditure of energy, you know, the mental energy of that and, you know, the euphoria of pulling off the win. And then I kind of juxtapose that with the Gators, right? The Gators just, you know, they're a little bit higher seed. I actually thought the Gators were going to lose in the first round. I had the Gators going out, but they end up, you know, they end up, you know, pulling through, getting the win. And so you got those kind of dynamics going against each other with those, with these two teams. But, 
ah, I, I almost want to side with you, Tommy, because I want to believe, you know, they got this one. When, when you have the best player on the court, a lot of times it doesn't matter about the other teams, you know, about, about you know, about the team's prowess, you know, uh, as far as uh, maybe maybe having much more talent or being, the, you know, being the higher ranked team or being just a flat out better team. Because if you get a guy that can just will you to a win, you know, and you get a guy like a Bryce Drew, you know what I mean, at Valpo, or you get a Steph Curry, obviously, you know, in, in college, someone like that. If you have a player like that, sometimes that can propel you and put you in a position where you're you just you just can't be beat. And so, uh, and I take a look at that, and I just say, uh, I, I'm also a big fan of Mike White, though, the head coach of Florida. I think Mike White is one of those, another one of those guys who's a young coach who's kind of on the rise. Uh, but that being said, man, all uh, Roberts is going to give him everything they can handle. And uh, but I, I got to admit, Tommy, I got to admit, I'm probably going to stay away from this game. I I've, because I have no I. This is one of my the C win. I have no idea games, you know. So I probably it wouldn't. Have, but if you put a gun to my head, uh, I would probably have to. I'd have to. I'd have to go with Oral Roberts. If you're going to put a gun to my head, I'd probably go Oral Roberts. I mean, I gave a compelling argument, right? You know, one hundred percent, you did. That's why that you know, and and you think about it. But I'm telling, it's just it's. I mean, I had the Gators going out, so I, I mean, I, I didn't have the Gators being in this spot. So uh, I, I I want I find myself wanting to give more credit to Mike White as the head coach. I find myself wanting to give more credit to, to the kids down there in Gainesville. And uh, I mean, I know that's got to be tough for you and tough for Abby, but it's just <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, and they've got that one kid, you know, in Florida that I think is going to be an NBA player. But other than that, I mean, it's just, I don't, I don't see them having that difference maker that Oral Roberts has on the offensive end of the floor that can take over a game and end up being the guy that can, that can, you know, take them over the top into a victory. How about Villanova, North Texas? North Texas looked really good. We knew they had a good defense coming in. We knew that. Villanova, everybody, I went up to the counter. I said, who's everyone got? Everyone had Winthrop. Guess what? So did I, right? I had Winthrop plus the points. Uh, everybody had Winthrop plus the points. And Villanova looked good. Jay Wright coached his way. That That's all it was. Jay Wright was a, was a coach. Let's, let, let's not start bashing on Winthrop. They played a good game. Villanova got by because of Jay Wright's coach. Now he faces a North Texas team that he should be able to outcoach. The totals 126, which tells you they expect a very low-scoring game. Colin Gillespie is still out for Villanova. This team is still banged up. Can Jay Wright's coaching ability just take this team past a North Texas team? Because that's all it is. You know, player, player, they they're the same kind now because Villanova's down. Uh, you know, their best player. They're the same kind of talent. North Texas is a really good defense. Villanova wants to slow the ball, the, the game down. This game might be played into the 110s, maybe the 115s, right? I mean, this is going to be that kind of boring. Oh, my goodness, what a ridiculous game. But Villanova can outcoach North Texas. Is that going to be the turning point? You know, it was funny, Tommy. Uh, we jumped around social media going leading up into the first round, and everybody and their brother was taking Winthrop to knock this team off, right? I mean, it seemed like everybody was, okay, if there's going to be that big upset, this is going to be one of them. Winthrop's going to take that. And then, uh, and, and obviously everyone was bringing up Villanova and their personnel issues and saying, you know, they seem right for the pick-in. And what happens? Villanova ends up coming away, gets the victory. 
And you look, you made the, you made the comment regarding personnel with both these teams and how you know player for player, it might not be too much of a thing. But I, I mean, I got I got to admit though, I still think that if you take a look at both these teams, and I look, I take nothing away from what North Texas was able to do, obviously yesterday, and it was impressive to say the least. When you have anytime you have a fifteen beat it two, it's a big deal. Okay, but uh, at the same time. You know, from a talent standpoint, uh, you know, even if you if you're not even like an expert when it comes to you know the Wildcats or North Texas as far as their their personnel, and you know, common sense would lead to believe that you're going to have a a, a talent uh, advantage when it comes to Villanova going to get up against this team. So uh, that leads into the point that you made when it comes down to coaching. And we all understand that uh, Jay Wright's a guy who's, you know, he's been here before. He's been in these situations where they've been a big, you know, where they've been a, high, a much higher seed going going up against an upstart. So to me, I think this is a this is this is going to be all Villanova from my perspective. And I think that, and what I mean by all Villanova is I think that Villanova uh, ends up getting a double digit victory here. And uh, they're not, no, they're not going to win by twenty. They're not going to win by twenty five. But I do believe that the Wildcats get a victory year uh, somewhere around the 10 to 15 range. It scares me a little bit to lay the five and a half or the six only because I think the game's going to be slowed down so much. You know, Villanova might be in control, but they might win this game 120 to 115. You know what I mean? They, it might be that kind of gross, uh, you know, kind of under, under game, 115, 112. I, I mean, it might be that kind of game. But I, I do, I do believe that you have to go either Villanova or nothing. The problem is, is that Villanova's getting a heavy amount. They're laying five and a half, and they're getting a heavy amount of bets. People are loving Villanova that think they, that they turn the corner. Speaking about a lot of bets, Oklahoma State last game of the day tomorrow will take on Oregon State. Oklahoma State, my first reaction. Okay, I had a little halftime play on them yesterday, minus four and a half, and they wound up covering. Right, my first reaction on Okie State was, Kate Cunningham played a terrible game, a terrible first half. He played an absolutely terrible first half, and this team still won. This team still won, and, uh, you know, won. They didn't have to sweat it out, really, with a couple of minutes to go. They really turned it on in the second half. Oklahoma State is getting a lot of tickets here. This line opened up at 5.5. It's up to 6.5, and and I saw it at 7 in a sports book in town here. No one believes in Oregon State. Now, Oregon State comes with Pac-12. Pac-12 stinks, right? Well, Pac-12's got a lot of teams still playing. We'll talk about that in a minute. The... Oregon State Beavers are rolling at the right time. Now, Cade Cunningham's not going to be kept down to what he was, right? Cade Cunningham's going to have a, a better game. This is a probably the number one pick in the draft, in the NBA draft. But that doesn't really matter if you are able to shut everybody else down. I liked Oklahoma State. The more I looked at numbers, the more I looked at their defense, the more I looked at how hot Oregon State was, you know, I'm gun-shy here. I think Oklahoma State wins. But I just see the inflation of the line. I see the ticket count. Everybody likes Okie State. No one else has 12-seed Oregon State moving on. So I think this is a stay away from me. This is another one of those cases where you talk to the average college basketball and March Madness fan. I'm gonna, I got to tell you, there's no question that, you know, you think about teams in the tournament that nobody knows anything about if you're outside of Corvallis. Okay, and it's 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 Oregon State. I mean, I look. I, I the, when you say something to me as somebody who's worked in the media, 
as somebody who's a huge college basketball fan and who has analyzed it, you know, and is, I mean, you say Oregon State to me, I think of Gary Payton. That's what we're talking about here, you know. So, uh, when it, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and claim to be some guy who's all, you know, wired in on the ins and outs of the roster of the Beavers over there, okay? But I will say this, you know, I take a look at this, and, and you've already mentioned it, you brought it up. We're talking about a guy who's probably the number one draft pick overall in the NBA draft in Cade Cunningham, who had a horrible, like you mentioned, did not play well at all. Okay, so you would expect, right, Tommy, that there would be a bounce-back game in him, and he would play much better. And so, I mean, I would absolutely, and, and look, that was that was kind of a crazy game from a betting standpoint in round one with Oklahoma State. So, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to be more, uh, you know, cardiac moments for the sports bettors out there. But, you know, I, I look at this matchup, and I, and I see, you know, uh, what exactly could transpire in this in this game? And I think I and I got I got to say I'm thinking Oklahoma State all the way. I'm thinking that you know I think Cunningham has a bounce back game. I think you know the Cowboys defensively are going to lock down on Oregon State, and I think that you know that's going to end up being the difference. And you could see like a 30 to 35 point game from Cunningham in this one, and I think that uh, the Cowboys roll. Oh, Chris, you know I'm always getting asked questions. Hey, you know, Tom, who do you like? Who do you like? Who do you like? And it's specific games. And I go, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't like anything there. And it's not a cop-out. I, I play very limited number of games. You know that. You know, I play two, three games tomorrow. I got three games on the board. Um, but this is one of those games where if somebody's going to ask me, I'm going to say exactly what you said. This is Oklahoma State or nothing. But I need nothing. <laughs> right? I mean, that's where, where I'm with this. I jumped on the Okie State. That was my immediate reaction. And there's always the time where I tell people out there that are whether you're filling out a bracket, whether you're being sports better, or you just kind of a sports fan, your instant reaction to sports often is way too reactionary. Your instant reaction usually needs some analysis. And I was watching that game yesterday. I told you, I, I grabbed him at the half. I'm watching him. Oh, Kate Cunningham. Oh, he looks good finally. Yeah, he's coming back. Oh, man, he put together a good second half. And I, I don't care what the line is tomorrow, man. I'm taking him. And I remember saying that. You're right. And isn't that famous? Last words, Chris. Right? I don't care. Well, it's 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 called super duper reactionary, right? I mean, that's basically yes. like, and 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 let's be straight, Tommy. Let's lay all the cards on the table here. That's the way a lot of you know the average sports betters. That's the way they operate. That's the way I should say we, because I'm that. I mean, I can I can absolutely be average at times when it comes to my to, to my betting and uh, to me picking games. But that that's just the way kind of things. You know, that's that's the human element of this. I think for a lot of people. Yes, there are, there are, you know, there are those who are, you know, uh, they get more in depth about it. Like, you, you know, there, there are professional handicappers out there like yourself and others who, you know, who will take deeper dives into different aspects of things. But the bottom line is, that, I mean, for the, for the majority of people out there, it's, it's, it's more just about, can I get a feel, right? It's the eyeball test, right, Tommy? I mean, that's what it is. We're talking about, you know, taking a look at what they have done in the short term, i.e. the last couple of games, i.e. the last couple of days, and in this type of atmosphere, in this type of environment, and kind of seeing how they respond to it and what they're doing moving forward. And so that's uh, kind of exactly how a game like this, you know, you would, uh, I mean, uh, the majority of people out there and the majority of sports bettors out there are going to view things. Which is very dangerous. <laughs> that's why I'm exactly. no question, no question. Okay. Well, not, I mean, you can look at it as dangerous, or or you can look at it as kind of like off the cuff. You know, that's kind of the way people are when it comes to you know betting these games. So, 
Yeah, and OPC I'm not trying to oversimplify it. I'm just trying to I'm trying to point out. You know, there's you know there's a, there. Let me put it this way: there's many more people out there that t- that look at this from a uh, you know off the cuff viewpoint as opposed to those who make the deeper dive and and are much more serious in their analysis. As I guess as as I guess the best way I'll put it. Than, uh, than 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 yourself and some other and, and other professional handicappers. Yeah, and, and that's why we do uh, this show. Try to lead them down that direction. All right, Chris, let's take a time yeah. out. When we get back, we're going to be the first ones to look at the Monday games. And I still want to say Sunday, no, but they are the Monday games. Can they set a Gonzaga line high enough? Well, we have the line. They already set it. We'll tell you if it is going to be high enough. What about Oregon? Extra day to kind of prepare. Is it is it bad that they didn't get that first round game? How are they feeling going against Luka Garza, best player in the country? Yeah, we got a lot of good games on Monday as well. What about this Pac-12? I said, how many teams in the Pac-12 just keep advancing, advancing, advancing? Is it time for the Pac-12 to start playing like we thought they were going to play? Or are they going to continue to keep rolling? All that and more on Heatwave Sports right after the break. Hello. Hey, buddy. I have my lock of the century. Surefire.